Welcome back to another episode of Life in Commune. This week, we are talking all about recovery. Recovery is the name of the game this week. And uh, it's not just going to be a Huberman Lab style, you should wear spandex every second of your life after you finish your workout. To, Go outside, look at the sun uh, yeah, while you down some AG1. Yes. But use my promo code, not Huberman's, please. <laughs> 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 Although, like, yeah, you know, good tips, but it's not going to be that kind of episode, just yeah. so you know. So not as overly, um, I don't know, technical or controlling in your life maybe is a way to think about let's some of these call things. It, let's think of it less today's conversation, less about a protocol. Because yes. I think there's something that happens in this Huberman lab era, which again, it's not like a dig at that style, but in the world of... One less you don't like wearing spandex all the time. I don't think I've listened to the spandex episode. No, no, it's, a, no, it's essentially saying you should be wearing compression, compression, things, all compression the time. things all the time to recover. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Compression socks are nice. Have you ever worn them on a plane? Yes, I've worn compression socks all the time. Great. Yeah, no, again, but, there's a lot of positive, yes. but all, all the, the time. time. I think that one thing that can get really um, tricky in this like era, which is like the forever era, maybe it's just what it is now, of bite size, like tidbits and um, those little, you know, the hook to get people in is like, what's the protocol? So what do I do? How do I put it into three tips, you know, five things you must do every day, five things you must do every week to recover, whatever it is. I think we get a little bit lost in the sauce of like, okay, yes, but most people have lives mm -hmm. and most people have kids. Every time I listen to a podcast that talks about optimizing your sleep, I just laugh because I'm like, oh, you guys don't have kids, do you? You haven't had any kids, do you? You know? No? Or like, you know, you don't work in shifts. It's just some of that is a lovely an thought. And it's an ideal. But I think it also sometimes does more harm than good because it makes people feel like if I'm not doing all these things, then I'm not recovering. My sleep is detrimental. I'm going to have Alzheimer's. I'm, you know, like it becomes this it's such a huge expectation. Your whole life becomes implementing protocols and very growy, life hacky optimization that feels um, quite, uh, I might regret saying Daunting. This. Elitist also. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like that, uh, what's that saying? Beyonce has the same 24 hours in the day as you. And it's yeah. like, no dog, she doesn't. Cause she has a cook. Yeah. Probably someone that drives her kids to school. A maid. Like, all those things are lovely thoughts, but I think there's a lack of realism to it. Let's say that. Yeah. So I, I also think even on a just general level, it can be very easy to create this humongous list of things you have to do every single, single day. day that's actually against your recovery because you're not letting your mind recover because you're you're considering, oh, I need to check off this box and this box mm -hmm. and this box and this box and this box and this box and this box. And all of a sudden, uh, every minute of your day is essentially scheduled out. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's 10 p.m. and you are just desperately trying to fit in all of these like last minute things and you just begin to play this game of diminishing returns. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember, as I'm sure you do as well, so vividly when I was uh, doing all the Achilles tendon recovery protocols when I was essentially strapping my legs up to that ARP wave therapy machine. It did work very well for the record, but like every single night doing it, I just never wanted to do it. It was late. It was late. I was just having to be doing it so late at night. And, and then after that, there's like a come down process from that too. And so it became this massive period of time, which essentially was all consuming in many ways. But again, I was recovering from a major injury. Uh, whereas if you're trying to recover from doing 
hard yoga classes for five days in a row or yoga classes and running, yoga classes and working out, whatever it is that you're doing, it, there's a way to create some balance in that which allows your recovery process to be much more attainable and much more valuable, I think, to building a good habit. And it becomes less of an all or nothing thing. We're not saying it, it doesn't, it's not that if you didn't do every single thing, you might as well not have done any of it, right? It, it, I think that that is a slippery slope into exactly what you're saying, where you have this constant running checklist of must do's, otherwise what's it worth kind of thing. Like, well, if I don't do all these things, then why did I even bother with all the work? Instead of scaling back to say, okay, what does recovery mean for me in my life and how can it exist? Because there is a lot to be said for a very, just quite literally passive form of recovery, which is what you said with the brain space that I think we often forget about. There is this world of, you know, arc wave, and there is a world of theraguns and all the myofascial and every non-sleep deep rest, AKA yoga nidra. There's all these things that we want to do, but or, there is a lot to rings, be said. massage, yes, acupuncture. Tracking all of it. How yeah. was your sleep? Get a sleep score, yeah. right? You have the bed that optimally cools and then warms up in the morning to wake you up naturally. Like, yes, 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 lovely. But also there's a lot to be said for doing nothing, mm -hmm. being quiet, yeah. going outside, taking some space and doing something that is not goal oriented. My struggle with some of the recovery, I actually didn't mean for this podcast to start out so anti. I don't think it's anti. But, I, but like yeah. sometimes what I struggle with is it recovery ends up becoming another goal, mm -hmm. right? In addition to all of the goals and demands of life. Now we're saying, oh, now you must recover to X degree. Otherwise you can't do the next thing that you love yeah. as well yet. And so I think sometimes that deters people and you end up in that paralyzed state where it's like, you, there's so much you should be doing, so instead you just do nothing. Yeah. But not the recovery nothing, the nothing that's like, you're out sideways on the couch scrolling and watching TV. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, you're not actually you're recovering, resting. You're recovering, but you got, you're, you're laying down, but you got a multi-screen situation yes. going. Yes. It's still a lot of input. So mm -hmm. I think when we talk about recovery, especially through the lens of the yoga practice, which at its base level is not as high demand as so many other physical activities that exist out there, yep. right? It's, it's not as demanding in terms of the amount of intensity and load, but it can be in terms of endurance and the repetition that it requires, totally. which elicits a different type of need for recovery than say someone who is also doing repetition and endurance, but they're running ultra marathons exactly. or someone who is doing heavy max lifting and their muscles need quite a longer length and quite a bit bigger intake of let's call it nutrients and everything else to recover to an optimal place so they can do it all over again. 100%. You really want to be trying to line up best for the activities that you do and that you also want to really work through yourself in the process. What does that mean? Well, when you think about recovery, even at the highest level, say like an NBA athlete, right? NBA players are missing more games than ever before uh, due to injury and load management because teams are trying to figure out how to have players properly recover. But if you look back 20, 30 years, people were playing more games, right? So all the recovery science is very new in in what it is and people are very invested in it as they should be because recovery is a massive part of the process but it's not this clear cut this is exactly what you should do it's thing. not like a silver bullet that all exactly. of a sudden like oh okay you know what katie's yeah. back yeah. like it's not it's not working the and same. then he gets hurt in the layup line and it, 
Yes. And then we have questions still about load management and recovery protocol because, you know, there is uniqueness to every body and how we move. And sometimes there's just shit that happens or there is overtraining. There's a lot of games in the Mm -hmm. NBA, right? But there's also something to be said for the fact that all of these protocols, all of these things, these are kind of like a roundup of all the things you could be doing. But it's really hard to say what the difference is like incrementally because it's hard to do research research on a big enough body of people, especially when it comes to the difference between a high-level athlete and just a regular, let's call it an adult athlete, yeah. you know, versus professional. That how many of these things need to be stacked, like habit stacking, for recovery to be improved or optimized versus is one or two of these pieces enough? Is adequate sleep and adequate nutrients enough? Is that going to be the same impact on recovery as sitting in your, uh, what are the boots called? Why can I not think of the name of the, I don't know, but you do have, them. I have them and I love them. The lymphatic massage boots. I got it. This is feels, uh, pull it together. You got it. It's in there. Deep dive. Deep Why dive. Can I think of Deep it? dive. If you, uh, just watching this, you can see Carly <laughs> having a mental breakdown. <laughs> what are they called? They're literally in my living room. They're, they're, are they hyperbaric? They're they're lymphatic massage. So you yeah. turn it on and, and oh my god, I keep wanting to say Theragun, but it's not the same yes. brand. It's a uh... <laughs> the encyclopedia is stalling out in this moment, and I'm not making it any better. This never happens to me. This is like a breakdown of my identity, not knowing the answer to something. It is. Okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. We're going to put it in the caption, the show notes, because I cannot think of the name of them. And I stare at them all the time. Yep. Do we really realistically know for your everyday average, let's call it adult athletic enthusiast, the difference between layering those two protocols versus adequate sleep and nutrients versus de-stressing your life versus having a day away from your kids, right? All of those things, it's hard to actually know, to measure because we can't measure in the same way that maybe you can for professional athletes. And even that is a very small data size. Professional athletes, is, there's a and, reason and, there's and, not that many of them. An incredibly small data size of people who are, just to be frank, genetically better. Yes. Like in terms of, yeah, yeah. In terms of physical athletic prowess. Uh, and the other thing that I think is also really, really interesting about recovery is uh, inspiration and energy, right? Mm. Meaning that like when you're inspired for something, there's a lot of energy that can move in that direction yeah. versus if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, you've kind of lost that spark for mm-hmm. it. It's hard to really tell, you know, am I recovered or am I just looking for a new stimulation in, yeah, terms, of my own, in terms of what I'm doing? Uh, so again, t- to kind of narrow things down a little bit, what are some of the things that you like to do for recovery and, and how do you, as you said a moment ago, stack those things together? I think also just before we get to yeah. that, let's talk, let's define recovery for our purposes because yeah. you and I can easily slip into this like larger, um, very big picture la- and also like larger athletic conversation because yeah. that's where a lot of our long-term enthusiasm has, has lived. But it's also I, stuff that we've studied. That's what I mean. Like that's a place that we, that's kind of a happy place for us. But I think for the purposes of this conversation, recovery can be a really broad term. It can just be like, am I too tired to get on my mat the next day? Mm-hmm. I'm not recovered. Am I pretty sore from that really intense handstand class I took? Or did you do some big mobility work this month? You work in some of those deeper hamstring classes, maybe with Shelby. And, and then you're doing some awakening bees. And then you're feeling that. Ooh, and you're a little and so, 
I think it's important to get to a place also where you're saying, okay, what does recovery mean for what I do? And also this becomes a question of how do I know when I'm recovered? Right? We talked about, I think last week, about how delayed muscle onset soreness, DOMS delayed onset muscle soreness, is not always an adequate, not often even an adequate measurement of how recovered you are, how intense a workout was, how effective something was. So maybe you're really sore from a intense hamstring heavy practice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those tissues aren't recovered enough to do something again, but it does mean that you're receiving stimulus that's then maybe nudging you in a different direction, right? And in the same way that just because you're not sore doesn't mean that those tissues are fully recovered and ready for another big hamstring session, right? Because there's a lot of factors that roll into that. So I think recovery, at least in this conversation, we can narrow down and even step a little back from the larger like big athletic recovery into what does it take for you to be able to move and do what you like to do at the level you would like multiple times per week yeah. or whatever interval that you have, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be, we're not saying what, what makes you get to like your bestie best place because that's very multifaceted, yeah. but what's it take to just get back to where you are enthusiastic and motivated to come back and do it again? Yeah, I completely agree. I also think that really helps us tie back to the idea of many parts of the yoga practice, which is plain and simple, it's something that you do every single day. Mm -hmm. And so you're building up some level of a stamina for that activity. And how do you do that? Mm -hmm. uh, because one of the things that I think we always focus on across the board in the way that we teach it and what we share is this idea and this concept of steadily building up your baseline. So what your baseline in is, is what you can currently do. Right? So you can currently feel comfortable practicing yoga four days a week for 30 to 45 minutes, for example, right? If you want that to increase, we're either increasing the time on the mat or we're increasing the intensity, the intensity or we're increasing the days. Yeah, the repetition. The amount of repetition, right? Mm -hmm. So those are the three things that we're really looking to create a deeper understanding towards because being able to elevate your baseline is what's going to help you apply your recovery process to your yoga practice the most. Because while so many people, no matter what they reference or frame a class, we talk about this all the time and you can build upon it, as a hips class, a hamstrings class, a backbending class, a handstands class, whatever it is, what kind of class is it? Is it everything? It's an everything class. It's everything class. It's an everything class. Everything is everything. Yeah. One of the beautiful parts of the yoga practice is that there's not necessarily much of a segmentation of the body. Everything connects. Every mm -hmm. it's, it's this idea of everything all the time that's mm -hmm. part of the journey. And so as you begin to consider these things, you really want to try to tune into how you're allowing your whole body to recover. And also within the lens of yoga, I think we often consider, um, if we have like a spectrum, we'll think, okay, vin power vinyasa is up here and like yin yoga and restore is down here. So our brain often thinks, okay, if I need to recover from power yoga up here, I must need to slide down right into yin yoga mm -hmm. and restorative because energetically they feel like a polarity, a good right? And, and in theory, yes, but if we wanna really think about, okay, what did I do in that power vinyasa class that requires recovery, right? There's a certain level of pace, there's a certain level of repetition, intensity, all of that. And then if you think about say a yin yoga class, well, depending on what that is, you're changing the intensity in terms of cardiovascular output, but you may not be changing the intensity in terms of 
what you're actually asking of the tissues, right? So you're recovering on one end because now you're not asking for that quick flow, that rapid breathing and the change from the respiratory system, but maybe you did a power vinyasa hips class and everything class, but it had a lot of hips. And then you take a yin class thinking, I'm using this as recovery and it's all yin hip stuff. Okay, so from a, in theory, nervous system standpoint, yes, that's a lovely balance. But from a tissue standpoint, you're asking the same things to do hard work again. Yep. And the time under tension, even if it's lower in a yin class or whatever even it is. Even if the tension is lower. That's what I'm saying. Even if the time is higher, but the tension is lower, yep. you're still putting input and asking adaptation of those muscles and those tissues and connective tissues. I think we get confused sometimes and then we wonder why I don't feel any better or I keep stretching and I still feel tight. I keep mm -hmm. that, like, that it's not so much as just let me find the exact opposite. It's instead to think about, okay, what do I need to balance this out and to provide what my body needs, nervous system and physical system, the outer system, to actually rebound. Because I think of recovery as more of this like rebound, a recoil, as opposed to like just drop into a pit, fully recover, and then you climb out brand new. It's like we want to be able like to- Like the dark night rises. Yes. Like Batman you, nightfall. You, what was it? You were raised in the dark. I was yeah. born in the dark. Yeah. I fucked that up. It's okay. <laughs> you know, I was hoping you were into a Bane voice, but you didn't. So I, I was truly bit... considered it, but then I thought this mic is so intense that it might. <laughs> I'm already off to a tough start today. <laughs> But yeah, it's not like a Lazarus pit. It's not It's not a Lazarus pit. And so recovery, really, I think of it as trying to find the optimal... Or a Banta tank. Oh, yeah. Banta? BAFTA? No, BAFTA. 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 BAFTA is... This Star Wars reference. BAFTA yeah. is what they ride. Is they ride. That's yeah. the big guys. But the a BAFTA, BAFTA tank, tank is... Is, the, is, um, is uh, Book of Boba Fett, essentially. Well, it's the entire show. The Every entire, episode. Here we are in the tank again. Yeah. Recovering. Yeah. This, this man should not be fighting anymore, right? He needs too much, he needs too much recovery. He needs, he needs but that's too telling much recovery us to that our, our, our spectrum is off. If you needed to be in the bath tank every day, dog, you're not up to snuff anymore. Yeah. We got to scale it back. You got to hire some mercenaries. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not some teenagers. Yeah, Luke, Luke only had to be in the bath tank just for that brief moment Empire Strikes Back after, you know, sleeping in mm -hmm. the. Uh, it's not a wampa. It's because that's what he... Oh. He, he sleeps in the... Uh, oh, we're terrible today with our references. No, the references are great. We're just terrible No, no, but the our, naming conventions. The naming conventions are a little off. In Empire Strikes Back, the thing he rides out there he has to sleep in. Okay, but other end of the spectrum, too, while we're mm -hmm. here, is that if you're Anakin becoming Darth, you have to be in the tank a lot. A lot. Because your whole body got taken down pretty much. Yeah. We got to build it back up. Okay, yeah. so those are spectrums of recovery. Now that we have got a, you know, got a scene... <laughs> But what we don't want is to be in the Boba Fett Darth category where yes. that's how much recovery you need. Mm -hmm. If you are taking classes or you're looking at, say, Mobility March, and you've done every single thing every day, the four classes a week, and you've said, I love mobility so much. On all my off days, on my non-new release days, I'm also going to take the hardest, longest mobility class I can take. And if you do that and your tissues, your body, your nervous system starts to feel like, overloaded, let's call it, whether it's physical soreness, whether it's fatigue, whether it's inability to perform like you were hoping to, or you're not seeing any progression, right? Because every time you have to start back, because yeah. there's a lot of recoiling that needs to be done, but it's not actually happening. That's a sign that like, you might need to be in that bath tank for a while, 
before you'd actually back up to snuff. That's not what we want. We want to be no. able to rebound as efficiently as possible so we can continue to do what we want to do. So in the yoga practice, uh, again, a yin practice, restorative, I think restorative, if we're going to delineate, is a much better uh, thing to look to for recovery than yin yoga. Restorative is going to be more of that creative napping, fully supported, very, very minimal effort in your body. And so if your body needs a recovery tank, then a restorative practice is going to give you that both physically and nervous system wise, much better than even a yin practice, which is still asking for tissue adaptation. And every time we have that stress in our bodies, there has to be recovery. Just like we talked about mobility is a strength training, strength at length. That's mobility is not necessarily recovery, like no. hard pails and rails, things like that. That is not recovery, but some dynamic stretching, some movement, some mm. flow that might be good recovery to just continue to keep the juices moving and in not get In fact, stuck ju up. just to embellish on that, one of the best things that you can do is move every day. Yes. One of the single best things that you can do for recovery mm -hmm. is move every single day. Doesn't have to be the same type of movement. Doesn't have to be the same practice, but moving every day changes the narrative. It flips the script. It gives you a new place to just kind of break up the, this isn't the right technical term, but the stiffness that comes from being sore. Mm -hmm. You know, if you practice really hard or run a long distance or work out really hard, whatever that may be, and then you wake up the next day and you feel sore, like mm -hmm. you're really stiff, the best thing you can do for your body is get into some of those places and move around mm -hmm. and try to loosen up that area. As I'm it's emulating that physically. Yeah, uh, because then all of a sudden your body is adapting and, it, and it's allowing new blood to enter and exit and it's mm -hmm. giving all those parts of the body, you know, something to consider. Well, and really it's, I kind of liken it to, when you're hungover, if you had a big night, and the next day you're like, I don't wanna see the sun, it's too bright, I don't wanna go outside, I don't wanna But if you do do that when you're hungover and you go outside and you get fresh air, the first time you brush your teeth and take a shower, you feel so much better, right? Yeah. And it's a lot like that. You're sore, you think, I can't move at all. But actually that movement is really important to facilitate the blood flow, to get the lymph and the waste products out. Because yeah. all the stress you put on your body is creating this byproducts of that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's gotta go somewhere. So if you just keep putting more in there, whether it's like nutrients food-wise or movement and input, it's gotta be able to process out to be effective, right? We, we need a revolving door. We can't just have an indoor if we don't have an outdoor. And moving in those moments can help to kind of flush things through your system so that movement doesn't have to be anything. I think that's where we get caught up with these protocols is we're like, well, okay, after I'm sore the next day or whatever my days look like, what, what should I do for that just move kind of thing? And the answer is, kind of anything that feels good that you can get yourself to do, yep. right? It doesn't necessarily need to be, I need to you know, do the opposite of these groups or that focus. Instead, it's like, well, what can you do? What might feel good? How can you move things through your body? How can you come back to that first mobility class we did this month, which had the four Bs, which was like bend and breathe and bounce. And the idea is that in those moments, the bouncing, you know, getting a little bit of blood flow through your calves and your lower body, all of that is gonna help in that like waste management of all the hard work you've put in there, we're gonna try to kind of chuck it out with movement. There's something that one of my trainers, Phil says that I love that after you know a really hard like lift day or workout, he'll say, if you feel sore tomorrow, 
don't not move because you're going to take feeling shitty one day and just make yourself feel shitty for two days, right? If you don't move tomorrow, instead of feeling shitty once, you're going to feel shitty twice because you're basically just prolonging it. We want to move through the system. You you got to just keep the system going. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those things where we want to recover, but... And we want, it's like you want to go on sleep mode and recover, but you don't want to fully turn off the machine. We're not going on bed rest. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to find ways to keep everything going. And that's why we always talk a lot about, again, increasing your baseline mm-hmm. steadily over time. So if it starts as two days a week, we're, our next aim is three days. The next aim is four days. The next aim is five days. Mm-hmm. Like getting to the point of being able to actively do something, you know, five days to to every single day, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a, a few rest days here and there. But it's one of the things that I always think about um, in my own practice is I never schedule a rest day because a rest day will come. Mm. A rest, tell, a, a your rest, body will tell you. Our body will tell me and life will tell me. True, you may not you, have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. Like some days, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities. You have a lot of things on your plate, right? You have a kid, you have a job, you have 18 errands you have to run. You know, like all these moving pieces will always come into the fray and then all of a sudden, boom, I don't really have time to do next to anything yeah, This today. is a rest day whether this, you this, want it yeah, to be or not. Yeah, th- this, this is a rest day. So I never schedule a rest day mm-hmm. because a rest day is always going to show up. You know, whether you want it to or not, like, oh, all of a sudden it's a rest day. Like, but I think then it helps you welcome it a little because no, exactly. if you, you schedule, you if you're like, well, it. my rest day is Sunday and I was supposed to have this on Thursday, yeah. it becomes this aversion to it where then exactly. I think we're not uh, doing any service. We're doing a disservice to that stress cortisol level. Yes. That's like, now I'm stressed out about, it. I thought this was going to be a big day mm-hmm. and there's always going to be that a little bit, but just yeah. embracing that there are going to be times when you don't have a choice and or the choice shows up and maybe in that moment you just think you know what actually i'm not going to do as much today exactly because rest days and recovery can also show up even in the midst of your regular routine whether you go to uh, classes at your studio or you go to commune or you show up on online studio and you think what class am i going to do today and you know that little inkling in your head that's like you see the class that's new and you're like i should do that or you see you had a plan to really hard practice but then when you get there you're like i don't think that's what i want to do today or you feel yourself hovering into the full library and looking for a mellow flow and a restore, yeah. you know, or you're at the studio and the teacher starts offering options and you kind of think like, I think I'm going to not today, right? Those are such important things to notice that show up and to be just open to the idea that like, it might be a sort of dynamic rest day, an active recovery day for you just within the natural flow, because that's the decision that you needed to make in that moment and to honor that. Exactly. And on top of that, if you schedule out a rest day, you could wake up, get to your mat, get to your practice, and you're like, dude, I'm ready to go today. I feel good. Yeah, like for whatever reason, the stars aligned, your all your planets mm-hmm. are in line with one another, like life is good, yes. energy is flowing in your being, inspiration is high, and you're like, oh, but I'm gonna rest. No, like that kills your momentum, mm-hmm. that kills your energy. It's like, no, ride that wave, mm-hmm. ride it, ride it, and then eventually again, that rest day is gonna show up, like I promise you it does. Mm-hmm. You know, that day when you start going in a, in a class and you're like, oh, I think I want modifications. Mm-hmm. That's going to show up. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen uh, no matter what. So instead of working with that mindset of, okay, I rest on the weekends, it's like, no, let it, whatever shows up, let whatever shows up, show up. And, you know, kind of let the rest days come as they do, because especially with this practice, unless you're new and you're going to be sore from it because it's new to you, mm-hmm. once you've built up that initial baseline, 
you're not really at a place where there's a, an incredibly high level of physical stress unless you are somebody who is actively pushing range of motion to its nth degree, to the very end of your range of motion spectrum. If you're somebody that's doing that, you'll naturally need a bit more recovery. But for those of you that are just practicing, mm -hmm. you're showing up, just, and I'm really trying to remove just from my vocabulary, it's coming, it's a work in progress. Yeah. But if you are someone who is practicing and you, your goal is practice. To show up and to move. Show up, to show up and move. The intensity will never take you over the edge of it. So finding the recovery, you know, and those moments for recovery and those moments for modification will just be very natural in your process. I also think with this idea of recovery, you know, the yoga practice in theory is designed to be done every day, right? Mm -hmm. It's designed to be a lifelong Absolutely. practice that you do to some degree and in many lineages, a pretty big degree yeah. every day, right? And then you're going to sit and you're going to breathe and you're going to sit in meditation. Well, in the world of recovery, again, we can talk athletics and we can talk yoga, but there are some very distinct differences in the yoga practice around like the goals and why you do it. That in the same way you build up your baseline to practice, you have to build up your baseline to sit, mm -hmm. to sit and breathe, to sit and meditate, because even from a physical standpoint, it takes a toll on your body. You sit at a desk at a computer all day long and you're like, things are creaky. You need some recovery movement in another direction to help balance that out, which is what I often think of recovery as. It's just trying to kind of right the ship and get that rebound on the seesaw. So thinking about what your demands are, however you're showing up in your practice, that anything that goes beyond, like that lives a little bit in that extreme bucket, whether it's effort, whether it's heart rate, whether it's muscular output, whether it's time sitting and breathing and meditating is gonna require an element of recovery. If you are trying to sit and meditate or sit and do pranayama for 45 minutes and you have not sat still like that before for 45 minutes, your body is going to feel it right? Completely. And so it is important to acknowledge that almost everything needs an element of recovery, but what that element is might actually be a swing of the seesaw in the other direction, depending on what the activity is, right? Like there's baseline recovery stuff that we've talked about, like making sure you're trying to get enough sleep, you know, even just prioritizing and it. eating enough food and drinking enough water, right? There are basic things that are obviously important that can't be, I mean, it's shocking that every, we still all have to shout it from the rooftops clearly, but Again, everyone here is parents and have jobs and have stressful lives. So getting enough sleep is difficult. Mm -hmm. It is hard to do. So depending on what you're prioritizing or what your things are, you may need to, to find a way to swing the pendulum. If you're a person who actually lives in a much more kind of stoic, um, non-moving state, like you actually tend to live in that restorative yin bucket, this like a little bit more like kapha place, then for you, an active recovery might actually be, I need to find some flow. I need to find a little bit more of that yang side of things so that my nervous system and everything can feel balanced out, right? It, recovery is not just jumping into the Lazarus pit. I think that's really important, at least the way I think of it is. It's Great. trying to get to balance no matter what that is because it's possible, and we as humans do a great job of this, of taking everything to the extreme. Oh, completely. Whatever we're gonna do, let's do it more, faster, harder, like all the things. And I think that that can be very challenging to get out of that mindset. Instead, we just make recovery that too. Well, let me just do, let me go in the sauna and a cold plunge and all these things. And we make that just as important as the big thing instead of just trying to get back to balance and like this level of the middle path. I agree with that 100%. I think one of the things that's actually helped me recover the most over the last few years is giving myself permission 
mentally to not have to do something that I enjoy every single day Mm. with, with moving my body. What does that look like for you? Like in practice, like on a, you know, like, or on an actual day, you know, totally. So, so for example, uh, there, if you know the way that I practice, there's the general practice that I do. And then there's like this hyper specific personalized practice that my mind has decided is incredibly important. Must be done. That must be done every single day. It's, it's, it's in there. It's part of who I am as a being. Um, the more you've been around me, the more you've seen these things that I have to do. And this, this little, we'll call it a protocol, it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Giving myself the permission to not do the protocol every single day has been phenomenal for my overall recovery process just because it's created so much clarity in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people that once I like to do something, kind of as you're saying, like I want to, I like to do it every day. So for example, part of my protocol now is, is swimming in the ocean and I go in the ocean every single day, but I don't go in the ocean every single day. Do you know what I, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the thought or the idea when waking up is to go in every single day, but if it doesn't happen, that's also okay. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a, there's a freedom from, okay, I have to do this thing and I have to do this thing and I have to find time to do this thing. And I have to find time to do this thing. Just giving myself the space away from that, that need or that requirement to be like, I'm doing it most days. Like being able to do something most days is a big change in terms of how I feel physically, how I approach everything mentally. And it's created this new environment of re-inspiration. And also it's allowed me to play with time a lot differently. And what I mean by that is if I'm not doing the protocol, I am going to do something else. And so by doing something else, I'm giving my mind and my body new inputs and new opportunities for inspiration and new opportunities for excitement in slightly different areas of movement or of practice or of whatever it is. And so then there's this new element of creativity that comes into the play. I'm just thinking back to all the time that I have known you and what big like growth that is, honestly. And I don't mean growth that it's like better or worse. I just mean that's an expansion for you, Mm -hmm. for someone who is very, for those of you who don't know, you probably know it, but like when Patrick loves something and when he wants to do something, he gonna do it no matter what, right? No matter what, no matter what time zone he's in, what continent he's on, what thing, like he's gonna do it. And I think that that is both part of the key to being dedicated to yeah. something and having this ritual in your life, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it also is the kind of thing that can kind of like drive you bonkers at a certain point because it becomes a definer of how successful a day is, yeah. how useful your time was, how purposeful your life or whatever it is. that being able to live by that 80-20 rule a little bit, I think is just so incredibly freeing. It's one thing that I find so, so difficult in the wellness and the yoga world especially when you wrap in like food and the whole lifestyle of it all that often, you know what I mean? It's hard to talk about yoga without the larger container always being associated with like wellness, oh, completely. which is both, you know, hopefully focused on wellness, but also can highly rooted in elitism and just this like optimization thing. And it can be so mentally and physically exhausting to try to live in that place all the time. And the world, the world, the, world of moderation i think is so underrated in what we do and the this ecosystem of just 80 20 75 30 of on your mat when you can you're dedicated to the practice but if you're not every single day at full capacity you are not any less of a yoga practitioner you're not any less dedicated to the path you're not any less purposeful in what you're doing 
Instead, you're probably actually more present in some other part of your life or you know, allowing space for creativity and a multifaceted thing instead of this single pointed focus that I think is wonderful, but it's part of in the yoga practice why I think many people who end up here, like you and I, come from places of like needing deep ritual in their life, mm -hmm. needing structure. Yoga has a lot of ex-addicts and people that have squiggly brains and we need this container of the practice. And I think this extends beyond yoga when it comes to physical fitness in general. Everyone who chooses to go to the gym and lift heavy things every day or chooses to run 30 miles and do a marathon or an ultra marathon, I would venture to guess, I have no research behind this, but I would venture to guess is someone who needs a high level of stimulus and input in their brain to feel normal on a regular basis. Yeah. Otherwise, choosing to do that all the time is kind of a wild choice, right? So quite. it's quite a wild choice. I think it's important to even, and not in a critical way, I think it's kind of a freeing way to look at yourself and say, it's, again, it's, why it's, do it's, I have to do this all the time? And, and to be clear, it's the way that we both live. Yeah, totally. You, you know, Absolutely. We are the examples of we, this. we are an example of, of what you're saying. Like, in, in my protocols, they're, they're an example of this. Like, mm -hmm. I feel better when I do these things. But mm -hmm. giving myself the permission to not always have to, have to do it. Yes is freeing and uh the whole idea really reminds me of the first tagline from an original retreat we did which was like practice hard live easy or something like that oh that practice hard live easy i yeah. think you're right that I, was yeah and yes. uh and i think that's a wonderful way to embody this 80 20 it's or 90-10 or 95-5 or whatever it is for you yes. where it's like when you're doing the thing you're doing the thing mm -hmm. And then when you're not doing the thing, you can have space, because the stars didn't align mm -hmm. or there wasn't the space in there, whatever it is, you can give yourself the space so that when you step back in, it's with that full focus. Mm -hmm. It's with the ability to, to dive in deep, you know, because you can't, uh, you, you can't stay underwater forever, no matter how often you practice holding your breath. Mm -hmm. You have to come up for air. That's just part of being human. And so giving yourself that opportunity to come up for air is just as big of a part of the recovery process as anything you can do physically. And so allowing that to enter your life is something that I, I obviously strongly consider or strongly recommend, but also something that, that does take time, you know, when you're used to something being such a daily, um, such a daily habit. It's also easier to, to even as you know, for the teachers that are on the platform and in the online studio and part of the community, it's easier to tell your students to do that than usually those of you who are teachers or you're like way deep in whatever discipline. It's easy to say that. It's much harder to practice what you preach, right? Because you're like, well, I got to practice today. I got to get on my mat. I got to do the thing. It's part of who I am. It's my job. It's my this. It's my that. It's my love. It's my you know mm -hmm. lifeline. So it's really easy to say that. It's much harder to do. And I actually think it's really admirable that you just spoke about that literally here, that it is important to give yourself that grace and step back and be like, mm, it's going to be okay to do this, or I'm going to, yeah. you know, find another input because it's really hard to do that. It's very easy to tell others to it. Like we could sit here and tell you every tip and trick for recovery, every tool that we use. Right. But I'm the first to admit too, that I often, you know, we're both up late working, not prioritizing sleep. Yeah. We are, you know, at the studio, filming class, at the gym, doing our own thing, jumping in the ocean, whatever, the stuff that you like, the stuff that keeps us sane, mm -hmm. the very important things. And enjoying life. And enjoying life. Um, and uh, it's difficult to also implement it in your life. That's why I think that 
you need a few things that are your go-tos for recovery. A few things that you know, if I have time today, this is going to make me feel better when I get on my mat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If I have time today, then I know that I can run a little further tomorrow, or I know I can do whatever it is that you love to do so that you live in this kind of constant state of like, you're always recovering and then you're working and then you're recovering. It's like a never ending loop as opposed to this binary one and then the other. So having a few go-tos that you can pull out of your pocket when you're able to. So it doesn't have to be a whole nother practice that is recovery, that is quite unrealistic, even for us. And it's literally our job to do this stuff and to be recovered. It is our job to be recovered on a regular basis. And I would rate even my recovery not as good as it could be. Like there are many times, last night I should have gone to bed earlier, but what did I do? I stayed up late making that little miniature model that Harvey (laughs) picked out for for me. Like till 10.30, like I was recovering my brain, I guess, and just, but, we all can make choices in that way. So having a few go-tos that are like, okay, what's the thing? You know, yeah. is it you just take your melatonin and go to bed at nine because you're like, it's time? Is it you, you know, commit to doing the cold plunge, taking a cold shower in the morning, which is quite the, good for recovery. The, the cold it's not plunge, my thing. The, the cold plunge has been my thing for uh, pretty consistently for about two years almost yeah. at this point. You I'm are deeply committed to the cold d- plunge. Deeply committed to the cold plunge. I, I do it as often as I can. Uh, but the, the cold plunge in the shower, like mm-hmm. that, that balance is really nice for me. Um, like restorative style stretching at night, like mm-hmm. having a bedtime routine that includes like gentle passive stretching mm-hmm. is something that has really helped me with recovery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, I, I just think mental space. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably, those are probably my big few. What's your definition of mental space? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Time doing next to nothing. Does that mean like mindless? I'm literally just curious. I'm not like trying to lead you. Does that mean mindless things or just doing things that aren't, because our job is yoga, movement, et cetera. Does that mean doing things that are specifically not yoga, not work? Or is it just like like mindless like that's if i'm walking if i'm going for a walk i don't have my phone got it not if listening I'm, to something yeah, in not your ear. listening to something there's it's an it's a time of no stimulation i would mm-hmm. say uh if i'm at my house it's just kind of like looking out the window a bit you know it, it's a funny thing I, I remember joking about this with a friend of mine in high school it's like what did you uh what did you go home and do you know and they're like i just stared at the wall yeah. And, and I think that some of that is missing, to be honest with you, uh, in this modern world, because you can always be doing something, learning something, mm-hmm. um, like trying to excel at something, stimulating yourself with something, mm-hmm. distracting yourself with something, like whatever it is, something is very easy to find. Yes. And then that begins to fill space that you could have for clearing thought for creative thought for non-specific thought and it's wonderful for processing anything or just for allowing yourself to be it's like our brains need as much recovery um, as our bodies in a lot of ways and yet we're constantly in these situations where it's you know you're waiting for the train you're on instagram Mm -hmm. You're waiting. I don't know why I said train, but you know, you're in the Uber, you're on 
TikTok. I don't you look at that one, but you know what I'm saying? There's, you're on YouTube, you're on whatever it is. There's your phone, you're on the internet. You have so much access to every single thing. Mm-hmm. You, you could be listening to podcasts at like every, hour. every hour, like you are doing and right learn, now. And, and, and learning languages and doing all these wonderful yeah. things that you should do if that's, of course, mm-hmm. your interest, but also give yourself the space to like let the mind temper. So mm-hmm. I guess that would be my thing is like it's, it's just time away from anything that's necessarily like screen based stimulation or audio stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, physically, when you think about recovery, the cold plunge, some passive stretching, yeah. but do you use mobility for recovery at all? Or like if you had a day that you were really sore, what would be your go-to thing as like, this is going to feel good. Is it just, you know, spinal waves wiggling around or do you have a, no, there's definitely things that I would do. I would, I would obviously try to move through the, through the body. Mm-hmm. Like always, like even that part of the body that's yeah. sore, I would go there, but with next to no intensity. Yes. Yeah. That would be my main thing. Like, how can I be in that space, but without a physical, like, this is, this is going to be hardcore. Mm-hmm. It's more like, this is going to be... Just sussing things out. Chill. Mm-hmm. Chill. Chill. In the words of Harvey. Chill. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and that, that's what I would really think about mm-hmm. with it for me personally. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be the space I guess I would start from uh, with everything. But what about you? I mean, for me, I, I'm not a cold plunger per se. You know, that's not like my... Join the squad. It's not my go-to. Um, but I do quite like just a passive stretch. Yeah. And not even like something intense. I again, passive stretching for me, I think is so much more nervous system based than mm-hmm. it is, you know, I'm not trying to get more flexible. I'm not trying to create adaptation when I'm using passive stretching as recovery. I'm trying to be supported and allow my muscles and my tissues to do less. Yeah. I think that most, many people are active. I'll speak for myself, not for you all, but I find myself gripping and being contained a lot. Even when I don't mean to, it's like I'm sitting, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I have a hard time relaxing my body in that way. So I find that props, soft things, support, breath work are so powerful for just changing your state. And for me, I think recovery often means I need to just change my state because my state tends to be here in terms of going, trying to, like you said, learn new things, listen to a podcast, do all these different things that, you know, want to be in the studio, want to be working, but I need something to kind of grind it to a halt sometimes because I have a hard time doing that myself these days. So passive stretches for me, same thing. It's like, I want all the bolsters and all the props and I will literally want to lay on the floor. It needs to be like dark, candlelight, chill. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, that's so much more beneficial, I think, than almost anything else in terms of just turning the volume down and helping to like reset so that the next day, I can be enthusiastic and my muscles and my tissues feel good. From like a literal recovery perspective, yeah, lymphatic drainage is my main thing that I use. I have like a little routine that you go through the body and try to do it, you know, to try to just move things through to use self-massage and myofascial work. I think that is for me the most effective tissue recovery, but I often place recovery more on the nervous system. Brain body is more important for me, I find, then my tissues tend to recover okay as long as I just kind of keep moving a little bit or do some stretching. But if I don't recover up here, it doesn't really matter what's happening in the body for me because then 
other things will get fucked up. Yeah, all systems aren't a go. All systems are not a go. I think it's also important as a woman, and this is a bigger topic than this podcast will hold, but to pay attention to your cycles and to recover accordingly. So I try to look at the calendar and say, okay, where am I in the cycle? I'm going to need more recovery on this week during this phase than I am in this phase. And then I need to move and kind of like just plan accordingly how intense I can be and listen to my body. Whereas some parts of the month, it's easier to just go, go, go. And you don't need quite as much recovery. And I think that's um, something that's a bit unique to um, someone who does menstruate and needs to pay attention to those cycles because it really does impact the balance and how everything is going because you got a lot, a lot going on in your body already. So that's another way that I pay close attention to it is... Yeah, massage, lymphatics, passive stretching, and then looking at that calendar. All right, y'all. This is kind of a wrap for Mobility March. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in for this final episode focused on this um, very specific topic. F- moving forward for the platform, we'll have a new theme coming your way on Monday, which we'll tell you in probably two and a half minutes when I finish this little <laughs> spiel. <laughs> but... On Monday, all the Mobility March classes will be moving into a playlist Mm -hmm. that will be in a new category called Monthly Practices. Mm -hmm. Those monthly practices will all be there in the order at which they were were released in the playlist. So Mobility March will be the first one. You will find all the classes that came out in Mobility March in that specific spot. So you can revisit this whole month as much as you want. You can come back to it. You can keep doing it in order. You can pick out your favorite classes, but it will be there for yours to access as long as you are a member. And that's the intention is this is programmed, but it doesn't mean this is the only time you do this program. It means that now it's available to you whenever you would like moving forward. Yep. And one thing that we recommend as we continue this monthly theming is to create a playlist for yourself. And in this playlist, add two to three classes a month from each monthly theme. So by the end of the year, you have, you know, 24 to 30 classes based on these themes that you all, that you really loved, that you're like, this was big for me. And you can keep coming back to those over time and revisiting all these different parts of the practice in a way that allows it to continue to stick with you on your journey. And the hope really is like with that as kind of as your homework, as you wrap up the month is to look back at what you practice to your history and think about what really mattered to you what impacted you not even just like i mean yes your favorites i love that i want you all to have favorites Mm -hmm. but the things that felt like that made a difference in my body it made a difference in how i exist and how i show up on the mat and would you want to repeat that would you want that to be part of your mini protocol exactly (laughs) right so that might go into your playlist that you can create on the apps and it's your personal one so that over time you know in a couple months when you come back and you're like that mobility stuff really helped and it fell off like it fell out, I started doing other things, I wanna come back to it. You don't have to get overwhelmed coming back to an entire month, you know, these things really work for me. It's always good to have a container, a place to start from and let that kind of propel you forward and get you re-inspired if you fall off the mobility bandwagon, right? Yep. So you can always come back to it. And then next month we'll have a new theme and the month after that you can just add on and by the end you have this like curated bit of the practices that really work for you. And that's the goal of it all is that you don't have to love every class on the platform. We don't expect you to. But we hope that they all give you bits of information, insight into yourself, how you practice, why you practice, so that then they all just become tools in your toolbox and you get to make it your own. That's the ultimate goal. And next month's theme is? Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning is coming your way in April. We'll talk more about it with y'all next week, but be very pumped. It's going to be a lot of fun. And spring cleaning is going to be, we'll talk a lot more about it next week, but just it's going to be more 
deeply rooted in the yoga practice and a little bit less multidisciplinary than this last yeah. month was. So just know that that's coming and there will be, as always, classes from all of the teachers on the platform. You'll get your new classes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday with some other ones sprinkled in throughout, a couple of little surprise midweek drops. Um, and this is going to be a really, I think, a big introspective but also like physically expansive month for everyone. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Should be a lot of fun. Catch you on the mat, y'all. Peace.